Welcome to Executive Leaders Radio. In this hour, you'll hear directly from our region's finest business leaders. Through each of the interviews, these high-achieving leaders become relatable role models who share how they were able to build their enterprise, their personal secrets of success, about leadership styles and opportunities that lie ahead. Prepare to be inspired and entertained and to hear wisdom unheard elsewhere. Executive Leaders Radio. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio, broadcast from George Mason University School of Business. This is your host, Herb Cohen. With my co-host, Mark Hodge, Association for Enterprise Growth, Josh Levy, Brunch Digital, and John Shuhart, Greybeard Coaching. John, who do we have on the air with us today? Our first guest today is Bill Buff, Managing Partner of Straticom. Our second guest is Reed Jackson, President and CEO of CompuSearch. Our third guest are Mike Kemer, the CEO, and Dave Innes, the Chief Science Officer of Origin. And our last guest is Jim Morgan, Managing Director of People Stretch Solutions. Excellent. Let's get to know our first guest, Bill Buff, Managing Partner of Straticom. Bill, what, what is Straticom? Uh, Straticom is a communications, public relations, and advoca- advocacy firm uh, here in D.C. that focuses on mobility issues. Uh-huh. And uh, how large or how small is this team? Uh, we consider ourselves small to mid-size. Mm-hmm. There's about 30 of us uh-huh. uh, headquartered here in D.C. and also with an office in Michigan. Where are you from originally? Well, you can probably tell from my accent, uh-huh. uh, I'm from uh, Western North Carolina. Uh-huh. How many brothers and sisters? One uh, brother who is uh, two years younger than uh-huh. I am. And 8 to 14 years old, what was the major thing going on with you? Was it playing sports or making money, or what was going on with you 8 to 14? Well, the, the, it, was n- it wasn't any of that for me. If, uh, if, uh, during that period, um, wh- when I was 10 years old, uh, my father got very sick. Uh, very suddenly suffered a series of strokes and sort of uh, degenerated through a number of uh, research hospitals, rehabilitation hospitals, ultimately ended up uh, in a nursing home in our uh, hometown where he spent the last couple of years of his life and, and died when I was 13. Uh-huh. Bill, so, wh- wow, that's got to have, have shaped you quite a bit. How did, did you become the father figure at home and how has that made you who you are today? Yeah, you know, for for better or for worse, that experience um, uh, it was certainly foundational for me. Uh, you know, I, I, I had a lot of people tell me that I was the man of the household. Now, um, you know, my my mother though did a great job. I was essentially raised, you know, for for four or five years in there by by a single mother, and so she, you know, she protected me. She uh, she made sure that I was a kid, um, but but I also did feel a, a sense of responsibility uh, around. What the do you house. mean? How do you know you felt the sense? How would that, how would that show up? That sense of responsibility you felt. Uh, you know, I felt like I um, I, I needed to. To, to be a, a source of support for my brother I needed or, and for my mother I needed to mature more quickly and um, do what I could to to, to to contribute around the house and to uh, to take care of her mm-hmm. how's that showing up nowadays the sense of responsibility that you felt toward your fa- toward your brother and toward your mother after your father passed at 13 how's that showing up at work well I, you know I hope I'm a f- fairly responsible guy and um you know I, i'm you have a, a young lady here with you. her name's nicole nicole how long have you worked with bill at stratacom three years uh-huh so what's his reputation at stratacom what do people think of bill um i think people in and outside of stratacom think of bill as a people person someone that you can uh kind of go to in a pinch but also to uh celebrate successes um and that's kind of how i think of him as um you know the head of our company you mentioned earlier that uh, bill had a son recently and his son had an effect on bill and the business what are you talking about nicole yeah bill recently had a young son um and i think that he's brought a little bit of that um into the workplace in a really positive way he'll um, often comment lately that it's harder to leave home, but um, it's better, uh, you know, to come home now. And just um, he brings that family aspect well, to well, but the wait company. A minute, as wait a minute, well. he's running a business. Yeah. <laughs> and how do you know that he's got a kid? Do you guys talk about personal stuff? I mean, I read in the newspapers that everybody's suing everybody and people <laughs> hate everybody else. It sounds like you're one big happy family. You know, we we work together and we are a pretty tight knit group. Um, We have a holiday party later today and it's always hosted at one of the partners houses and uh, families and partners are invited. We Mm -hmm. we work a lot, um, Mm -hmm. but we also have fun and we Mm -hmm. we kind of bring the family aspect. Make sure I understood John. Mm -hmm. So, Bill, after your father died, who were the non family members that were important in your 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 life? 
Uh, yeah, there there were a number. Um, we were very active in the church uh, growing up, and our minister at the time has you know has has been a mentor to me throughout my life. Actually, uh, married my wife and me, and my brother and I. Um, I was active in scouting. There were a number of, of scout leaders that uh, that I, I was very fortunate to have did, some. Did you some seek these people out, models. or did they come to you? How'd that happen? Um, you know, I th- I think they they basically came to me you know i think my i i'd been active in scouting before my father got sick and so that was sort of there but I, the the church was a really strong uh, source of support for my mother in particular and for us growing up so mm-hmm. how does that that experience working with that minister and being active in the church how does that show up today at stratacom you know i i i sincerely appreciate the folks who were not related to me who took time to to be a father figure to me and uh, you know i i hope that i take the same level of interest and 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 can be a similar mentor to to other folks to our you know to clients as well as to uh to our team at stratacom mark so in college you majored in anthropology yes how did that uh, translate into how you run your company and, and deal with other people well you know anthropologists sort of parachute or cultural anthropologists at least sort of parachute into unfamiliar cultures and observe quite a bit uh, and and take time to uh, to get to understand the environment before they start making uh, forming opinions and I, I try to do that as well I you know culture is very important to us at Stratacom uh, and so I think it is uh, it, it, the focus on culture has held true for me going back to anthropology do you feel like that's that's helped form a more positive culture within the company? Uh, well, I certainly hope so. We've uh, we've just won a number of awards in in Detroit as well as a couple here in D.C. from PR uh, trade associations and transportation groups as being either a best place to work or employer of the year. We think our culture is really a competitive advantage for Josh? us. Josh, Nicole, did you do you feel like you're with a family at work? Does it even feel like work? You know, can feel like work sometimes, <laughs> but we get to share a lot about our personal life, and it's a pretty tight knit group. Being able to, you know, have lunch together, happy hours, dinners, even things like holiday parties, um, it feels a lot more like a family than um, I think other companies do. Bill, why are you smiling now? Well, it's just that you know we do want it to feel like a family, and I, you know, I kind of connect this back to to my dad. You know, I I sort of learned that life can be short. At the end, friends and family are what matter, and, and you ought to have some fun along the way with the time that you've got. And so, you know, we spend so much time at work that we do want it to be an enjoyable environment. But it's also, you know, we, we set very high standards, and we hold people accountable to very high standards, and we think that it, in that type of environment, high, per- high performers can really thrive. John? Yeah, what's it like to have you as a mentor? Uh, well, I hope that I'm going to listen. I hope that I'm going to ask good questions. That's something I've been working on uh, more, uh, rather than just sort of offering an idea, asking good, asking good questions. Um, and I also try to be a connector. Um, you know, it, it, I feel like at this point in my life, I've met some other people, and if I can ever introduce somebody or bring in another resource that would be helpful, I see that as my role. Yeah, I hear the word connection. We've heard people, person several times. Where does that come from? I guess is that your mom? That must be it. Yeah, she's de- she's definitely the people person. She's the talker in the family. My dad was much more quiet. They say that my brother is like my dad, and I'm more like my mother. What did your mother do for a living? Uh, she was a school teacher uh, when I grew up. What grade did she teach? Uh, fifth grade. And were you ever in her class? No, she she made sure that I was in the te- you know I was uh, had the teachers that she wanted me to have that were good teachers, but I was not in her fifth grade. So class. your mother knew your teachers. Oh, of course, yeah. Uh huh. So your mother got their input directly. How do you feel with your mother knowing exactly how your teachers felt about you? Didn't that make you feel bad? The fact oh, no, that you knew her? No, I, I, academics was was kind of our jam growing up. We really focused on school. Um, I always did fairly well. So you don't have, you don't have a problem being measured. I mean, basically, as teachers were measuring you, and you felt comfortable. In fact, you felt comfort being measured and being mentored. That's that's right. By the teachers. That's right. Uh huh. And uh, you say that academically, you sort of enjoyed school. I did. Yeah, we, um, you know, what's I, the similarity between academics and what you do nowadays at Stratacom? I, I, I would say that our secret to success, uh, what, one of our secrets to success at Stratacom is that we try to never stop learning. 
you know in my, in my career i came to dc knowing absolutely nothing about transportation i didn't know anything about government contracting i really was considered myself sort of a policy wonk more than a business guy and so at each of these phases i feel like you know the the only thing constant in life is, is change and so you've always got to be looking at what's next and figuring out how you're going to evolve to stay current so you think your ability to your your, your joy of learning has really helped you uh, stay current in terms of the world of business and the fact that you really appreciate family and life is sure has really helped you build a team I certainly hope so mm -hmm. yeah John so what does your mom think about your success today I, I think she's she's pretty proud of her boy you know, she she doesn't really understand what I do when I talk to people about, you know, what is communications, what is this advocacy work. You know, it's every once in a while if we get a big hit on TV, she knows to watch the news that night. Mm -hmm. uh, but otherwise, I think she's just happy that, uh, that uh, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm here. What's the website address of this organization known as Stratacom? Stratacom.net, which is S-T-R-A-T-A-C-O-M-M. Net. We've been speaking with Bill Buff, managing partner of Stratacom here on Executive Leaders Radio. Don't forget to visit our website. It's executiveleadersradio.com. That's executiveleadersradio.com. Learn more about our executive leaders. We'll be back in a moment right after this break. And your name and organization is? Fred Ostevar with Nova Advertising. Uh-huh. And what do you guys do? We are a digital marketing communications firm in D.C. A digital marketing communications firm in D.C. All right. And where are you from originally, Fred? I'm originally from Shiraz, Iran. Uh-huh. What did your father do in the, in Iran? He owned a, the, the taxi cab and he, was a, a he owned a bus. So your dad was a small entrepreneur in, in Iran. Yes, uh -huh. Why did you guys come to the United States? Uh, for a better uh, future, uh, more opportunities, and uh, freedom of uh, speech. Josh? Fred, now wait. So freedom of uh, speech, how has that played into marketing and what you do today? Well, it uh, really allows us to uh, be be comfortable and not have to second second guess everything that that we want to do and we want to say, and it uh, just puts that the comforting thought behind behind your uh, mind when you go home. At so night. you feel free, and you really enjoy your ability to communicate here in the United States. Absolutely. And you think that's one of the reasons you got interested in the world of marketing? Could very well be absolutely. Uh huh. And the fact that your dad was an entrepreneur. How young were you when you knew you wanted to run your own business? I was uh, 15. You were 15 years old. When you came to the United States, you knew you wanted to run your own business. Absolutely. Uh-huh. And it was because your dad was an entrepreneur and you got the bug when you came to the United States. And yes. how, this world of marketing, why is it so appealing to you? Well, uh, I've always been involved in sales and again, coming uh, from the family that, uh, that was entrepreneurial, uh, it's always been my dream to own my own business, be my own boss and uh, live in the dream, I guess. <laughs> wait, wait, what's, the, uh, what's the website address for this organization? NovaAdvertising.com. Let me have that again. How do you spell that? N-O-V-A-Advertising.com. NovaAdvertising.com. We've been speaking with Fred Ostevar, managing partner of Nova Advertising here on Executive Leaders Radio. And your name is? Ramon Parker. And Ramon, the name of the organization? Loudon Free Clinic. And you were telling me there's some, something special about the Loudon Free Clinic where every dollar that goes in does something else. What was that all about? Yeah, it does something magical. So for every dollar that's donated to our clinic, we can deliver $8 worth of care. And what kind of clinic is this? Who are, you, who are you helping out? What kind of stuff do you guys do? So we're helping out those who are 18 to 64 who are uninsured and low income, 200% or below the federal poverty level. And give me this thing about the math again. Give me how that works. So essentially, I have a, a staff of 12 individuals and 128 volunteers. So with that kind of payer mix, I'm able to deliver, you know, anywhere from $8 uh, in care for our patients. Because you've been able to enroll the support of so many volunteers, you're actually keeping the cost of health care down, therefore multiplying the dollars. And making one of, it, one of the best business investments for private corporations who want to invest. And didn't, ah, interesting. So private businesses and individuals can get involved. And didn't you Absolutely. tell me you had a couple of health care challenges yourself? What were they? I have. I've had four open heart surgeries, and mm -hmm. it helps me to understand what patients need. What are you talking about? What do you mean? So the idea of having been on the table or being a patient, I'm able to take a patient focus in how we deliver care differently than most people would. What did you, what did you learn from those experiences personally? What do you appreciate that most of us don't? I appreciate consistency. Um, I think that a, a staff at the hospital, nurses, providers, mm -hmm. parents, mm -hmm. family, all those people consistently being around me and consistently offering me hope 
Uh, I'm so full of it that I have to offer that to the patients and to the staff when I'm working with them. What's the website address for the Loudon Free Clinic? Loudonfreeclinic.org. Let me have that one more time. L-O-U-D-O-U-N freeclinic.org. We've been speaking with your name again? Ramon Parker. And this has been your business spotlight. Thank you. We're back. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. This is your host, Herb Cohen. We'd like to introduce Reed Jackson, who's the president and CEO of CompuSearch. Reed, what is CompuSearch? What are you guys doing? Uh, we're an enterprise software company that serves the federal agencies and the vendor community. How large or how small is this organization? Uh, we're a little more than 300 people. About 300 people. What kind of revenue are you guys doing? Uh, we're pushing right about $100 million. About yeah. $100 million. And how did you get a job with this company? I uh, actually was part of a, a original buyout team in 2005 that bought out the prior ownership. So you guys brought in third-party money and bought this company out. You were part of the management buyout, it sounds like. Am I correct about that? That's right. It was... Uh, it was my way of getting a job at a company that I thought was great, uh, uh-huh. and it was it was my way of. Well, you yeah, evidently uh, people with some serious money believed in you. Where are you from originally? A uh, small town, mill town in upstate New York uh, called Ilian. How many brothers and sisters? Uh, I have an older brother and a twin sister. What was it like having an older brother and a twin sister in a small town? Uh, you know, in that small town, I always had a home inside my family. I had a natural ally in my brother. Uh, because she was my brother. I had a natural ally in my sister because she was my twin. Uh, so in a dynamic of three people, I was the one that sort of always had some place to be, always had somewhere to go. How, how's that affecting uh, psychically your whole, your whole thing about being the president and CEO of this organization, this 300-person organization called CompuSearch, the fact that you always felt you had a home? Oh, I think it's what we try to create inside of our team as a, as a place where people feel they fit, uh, where people can feel natural and and do their best work. Am I putting words in your mouth? Do you really think that's true? No, I think that's the essence of a strong performing team. What, what's the essence of a strong performing team? A place where people can bring whatever their skills are and feel they can deploy it and have a, uh, and a place that uh, they can be effective and that it can be respected. So you're bringing your, uh, I don't mean to steal Mark's question, but you're bringing your small town into uh, the metro DC area building this company, aren't you? Well, the small town was a it was a blue collar town. It was uh, a great blue collar town, and I think you, when a blue collar town, you bring impact. You have to you have to do the work. Mark, why don't you take that? So, what what experiences did you did you have growing up that sort of you that bring you bring with you <coughs> made a difference in your life? You know, uh, one of my first uh, jobs was uh, working as a fourteen year old at the my neighbor's lumber yard. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, after school, riding my bike, working under the table, uh, doing no, every dirty job in that lumber yard. Uh, no job too small uh, to get done well. And I, I worked there all the way really through college in my summer What's breaks. What's that have to do with building a 300-person firm and having a significant source of money invest in you? Uh, I think it's part of building any size firm that's successful is not losing touch with uh, that ethos that you know every small job is worth doing well and there's no job that's that's below anybody to be to be done how, how long did you keep that job for that you got when you were how young uh, I was probably about 14 when I started working there. and how long did you work there for uh, right up through college why'd you do that why'd you work there all those years uh, it was a it was good money <laughs> for for someone who was a teenager but why, it did, was you go a sk- why did you go skip around the different jobs uh, you know, it was, uh, it was a great little environment with my, uh, my next door neighbor did who was always on, sort of a Did you keep on taking dealer. on additional responsibility there? Yeah, it was a, it was a place uh-huh. where, you know, as I grew up from being the youngest person in that shop to somebody who was uh, driving the lumber trucks and uh, dealing with clients. So it was you a kept nice on growth. taking on responsibility like you did at this organization. Josh? Reed, you said you were the youngest. How does that shape to you in interacting with the other employees there and how you treat your company today? Uh, well, as the youngest guy in a lumberyard, yep. you're very much, uh, uh, you know, you're very much at, uh, you're the youngest guy in the yeah. younger, younger, younger yeah. Yard. yeah. Everyone's looking down on you. You uh-huh. have to sort of scrap your way, uh, to respect. And I feel like, uh, one of the, one of the lessons I bring to CompuSearch is making sure that people at every level, uh, don't have to scrap their way to respect, you know, that they start with respect and start with a good place to be. Mm-hmm. John, what were you into as a kid? Uh, you know, I really grew up as a skier in upstate New York. And how did that manifest? Or, or what did you invent around skiing? 
well, you know, skiing, I think, is, uh, is a great sort of freestyle form. And so you're inventing your, uh, yourself kind of every day on that slope. But in that town, we were, uh, as teenage boys, we were, we were building ski jumps, uh, which you had to build pretty quickly, enjoy them before the ski patrol came and knocked them down. Um, how yeah. does that desire to be free and, and impl- uh, improvise, how does that show up today at CompuSearch? You know, I think, uh, unfortunately, in skiing, my, my path was always uh, you know, go fast and take chances. Um, that continues in probably all parts of my life. There are some consequences with going fast and taking chances. Uh, but if you're being smart and you're looking at, uh, looking at the path you want to go and not the obstacle, uh, you don't target fixate. You don't hit the obstacle. You actually make, you make the hole between the trees. So who today do you help steer around obstacles? Uh, well, that's that's my executive team. That's my role as CEO is really making sure that people have a thoughtful view of what they're trying to do and how they're going to be successful there and, and really see the rocks and see the trees before we hit them. In, in the green room, you mentioned that neighbor, the guy who owned the lumber yard. You called him a secular uncle. Yeah. How, how does that show up? How are you a secular uncle today? You know, he, was a, he was a very gentle, uh, kind... Uh, adult who would always listen, uh, very very slow to to anger, uh, even as a boss of the and the founder of this lumberyard, and I hope I bring that into the into the company for my folks as well. Does More? he know about your success today? Mm-hmm. Uh, he passed away when I was a uh, he passed away from a long illness mm-hmm. uh, when I was in college. How do you think he'd feel if he found out about your success today? Uh, I don't think he'd be proud. Why? Uh, I. I hope uh, I hope I bring a lot of what he brought to his small company into a larger corporate world without losing touch with that that core um, work ethic uh, and that core way that he treated everyone. Perfect, Mark. Uh, growing up in a small town, what experiences or opportunities did you not have that you were able to capture in business and either that personally or provide for your employees? Yeah, I think every environment you grow up with has its uh, has its pros and its cons. And in the small town, it was a wonderfully tight knit environment, mm-hmm. but it was a pretty narrow aperture on what was possible mm-hmm. in the world. And so, coming out of that environment, um, eventually relocating here to DC, uh, it creates. Uh, I've tried to fill my own intellectual curiosity uh, and bringing it into CompuSearch. That means we're pretty expansive about how we view the world and what we're trying to do with bringing efficiency into the way government operates and interacts with their vendors. Mm. Do, do you see the 300-person the company similar to the small town in terms of culture and environment? Yeah, you know, you know everyone. You get to know them well. Mm-hmm. Um, you get to know what's great about them. You understand you know, how to work through and get to their strengths. So mm-hmm. I think there's a lot there. Josh, what's, what's on your mind? What are you thinking? So when did you start uh, really being an engineer in your life? Uh, you know, I really think that being an engineer is something that's born into your soul. <laughs> so I think you start with it in you, and then uh, how you develop it and what you do from there is uh, is interesting. And so I started with tinkering with Legos, taking everything apart in the garage. Um, it was it was always there. It was just what, sort what of kind of stuff it. were you ta- What kind of stuff were you taking apart in the garage? Oh, uh, we uh, I f- kind of feel like we took apart everything, uh, everything my parents owned, and some of it we got back together again and work in order. The lawnmower, et cetera. The et lawnmower, cetera. the bicycles. The yeah. Uh-huh. How many times did you get in trouble for doing yeah, that? Yeah, that's another story. Uh, what's you know, th- what's the website address <laughs> of this organization <laughs> known as CompuSearch? It is CompuSearch.com. How do you spell that? C-O-M-P-U-S-E-A-R-C-H.com. We're speaking with Reed Jackson, President and CEO of CompuSearch here on Executive Leaders Radio. Want help building your business with help from this show's CEOs? Our CEOs can help you uncover more opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money, all the big issues, because our CEOs have been there and done that. They've succeeded in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars, and some are available to advise you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. The same CEOs you've heard on the show for 10 years may be willing to help you build your business, uncover new opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money, all the big issues, 
because our CEOs have been there and done that, succeeding in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars. And some are available to advise you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. And your name is? Ray Briscuso. And Ray, what organization are you with? Life Sciences Conference Group. And what is Life Sciences Conference Group? What do you folks do? We produce annual conferences and events for medical technology, life science, pharmaceutical companies. Uh-huh. So if I go to an event, you're the folks that are working behind the scenes to make it happen? That's correct. We're the ones that make sure the food's on the table, the seats are there, soundstage and lights are there, your registration process works. And, and what kind of events are these? Are these just in the life science industry? Strictly in the life science industry. Why, why do you focus on the life science industry? Uh, we found that the best way to produce a high-quality event is to really know your customer. So we don't believe in numbers. It's names. We get to know each company. We find out what their actual mission and goals are, and we find the best way to deliver the value to them. And are you doing this nationally or regionally? We do it nationally. We continue to look for international opportunities, but it's primarily here in North America. And how old is this company? Uh, the company has just finished its 10th year. And how long have you been with the company? I founded the company 10 years ago. What gave you the idea to start this company? I used to work for a big corporation, and I produced the annual event for us. And when I decided to leave, they said, thank you for giving us $150 million worth of a business, and we'll see you later. And mm -hmm. next time, I decided I would keep some ownership and do it myself. Ah, so you've been, building, you've been building this ever since. What do you like about your job? I like how different it is because we mix policy, we mix business. I might be putting one CEO together with a politician. I might be putting another CEO together with an investor. Mm -hmm. And I might be putting the next person together with their next employee. How interesting. Well, what's the website address for this organization? Medtechconference.org. Let me have that one more time. Medtechconference.org. And the name of the organization again is? Well, Life Sciences Conference Group. Life Sciences Conference Group. And your name is? Ray Briscuso. Ray Briscuso. We've been talking to Ray Briscuso, CEO and managing partner of Life Sciences Conference Group here on Executive Leaders Radio. This has been your business spotlight. And your name is? Jeff Lawson. And Jeff, what organization are you with? I'm with Lakota Hotels and Resorts. And wh what do you guys do? What kind of stuff are you doing that's special? Well, we manage uh, conference centers and hotels, and we're currently managing the National Conference Center in Leesburg, Virginia. National Conference Center. How large or how small is this organization? Um, the conference center itself has 900 rooms in size, 350,000 square feet of meeting space, dining facilities for 850, uh, exercise facility all set on 61 acres of land. Wow, this is a large organization, isn't it? It is, very large. Uh huh. And what's your role in the organization? I'm the general manager, and I have oversight of the uh, property and all the hospitality services that occur. Well, what's the general manager supposed to do with this large facility? Make sure I have a, make sure eight executive committee members and a, and a full uh, staff of 210 do their daily jobs. So, how many folks do you have running through your halls on a weekly basis, or daily basis, or annual basis? What's that look like? Well, on a weekly basis, on a full house, we'll have uh, 900 per night, um, seven nights, uh, 6,300, which translates to about 20,000 meals a week. Wow. And uh, your job, are you working nine to five or do you end up having to work evenings and early mornings and weekends and stuff like that? No, I'd say I'm always on duty. Uh-huh. Wh what do you enjoy about your job? Meeting people, working with some of the finest hospitality people in Virginia, which is my team, and meeting our clients because they're wonderful. So you're helping your clients plan their events? Well, we help plan. Uh, they are there for some form of education that goes on at one end of our business and at the other end of our business, they're there for social catering events, uh, weddings and such. So you're, you're, well, you're running a 24 by 7 facility, aren't you? We are. Uh-huh. What's the website address of this organization? Conferencecenter.com. Let me have that again. Conferencecenter.com. And your name again is? Jeff Lawson. And the name of the organization? Lakota Hotels and Resorts. And this has been your Business Spotlight. We're back. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. This is your host, Herb Cohen. We'd like to introduce you to Mike Keemer and Dave Ennis, CEO and Chief Science Officer of an organization known as Origin. What is Origin? What are you guys doing? Uh, Origin is a predictive analytics startup. We use data to accelerate cures for neurological and neurodegenerative diseases. We try and anticipate and predict patient symptoms and use that information to design better human clinical trials. All right. And how much money have you guys raised? Uh, we've raised about a million and a half in uh, investor right. equity. And where were you from originally, Michael? Uh, originally from St. Cloud, Minnesota. Minnesota. How many brothers and sisters? I'm the second of five. And uh, did you tell me you have an interesting family? Tell me about that. 
Uh, I've got a large extended family. So. How many how many cousins do you have? How many members of the family? Uh, first cousins is probably about 25, and then extended cousins. Uh, it's all a very tight-knit community within the, the larger family. You mentioned about 100 people. Yeah, that's about right. Uh-huh. What's your What was your reputation amongst the 100? Uh, so I skewed toward the older end of my generation, which sort of uh, naturally leads you to be sort of a leader among that group. What do you mean? What are you talking about? Um well, uh, so uh, my, my older sister is just barely a year older than I am, and uh, she was the kind of person who would be out there sort of fighting for our, uh, our, our expanded rights and things as kids. Mm-hmm. And uh, very early I learned to uh, appreciate the value of having a specialist who can fight for things that you're not necessarily good at and uh-huh. you can focus on the Boy, other Boy, that thing. sounds like Dave right there. So, uh, and... Um, now, you, now you do predictive analytics. What kind of things were you into as a kid? So I was definitely a, a, a math and, and books kind of kid. Uh, I like to spend a lot of time, you know, in libraries with uh, puzzle books, uh, spending time, you know, building mental models and, and breaking them down in my head to try and solve different problems. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And uh, Josh, what do you got? So both of you seem to come from a strong interest of math. How has that really played into your role in the business today? Well, so everything that we're doing is math. Uh, we're applying better you know, mathematical and, and uh, statistical methods to try and develop uh, uh, new insights about mm-hmm. disease. Interesting. And uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's extraordinarily fun, I guess, for, for all of us to be able to sit around and work on really challenging intellectual problems mm-hmm. day in and out while also taking them out and making them meaningful. So, uh, David, the earlier Mike was mentioning that he liked having a sister that was like that you could put in front and that would take the bullet. What, 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 what do you do in the company? What, what's your role in the company? So I'm the chief scientist, and what I like to do is take the models that, that we've developed. Uh, uh, they get characterized, but then we always want to ask, how are we going to apply them? And, and, and that's what I really like to do is, how do we take advantage of this information, and how do we apply it to uh, increasing right. the efficiency of Were you of from originally? Trials. Were you from? Uh, I'm from, uh, I was born in Venezuela. Uh-huh. And how young were you when you moved to the United um, States? I was eight years old when we moved to the uh, What was park. it like when you moved to the United States? Uh, it was strange, totally new culture. Um, uh, we came from, uh, we lived on a small sugar plantation and suddenly moved into this like uh, suburban Ridgefield Park uh, in New Jersey where we could see the Empire State Building from our house. Uh, so it was uh, culturally, culturally and also you know, seeing snow for the first time. Uh-huh. What happened things. to your toys? Yeah, so um, uh, my parents said you can only take so much uh, when we when we go go to the states. So I, I needed to give away my prized uh, collection of toy soldiers, uh, uh, and I just learned to to share with that. What uh, are you talking about? What do you mean? Yeah, so um, you know, my friend Raphael and I always played uh, with, with with these soldiers, uh, and. And so uh, I learned that, okay, it's just a thing. Um, it was more about the people uh, and enjoying Raphael. And I think that's what I've taken is uh, being able to share you the successes. You have a pretty close relationship with Mike. Who, who does Mike remind you of in your yeah, childhood? Yeah, in a way, Mike reminds me of my older brother, who's uh, also an engineer. Uh, and uh, I always looked up to him. Uh, he was always uh, fun to be with. And he was, a, he was also a challenge to be with because, uh, I, I mean, he was five years older than me. Uh, and it sounds and to me like you guys, you know, in, in, in Mike's childhood, he liked having a sister who was out in front with the, you know, with the ideas and took, it's like you guys have a natural chemistry between the two of you, don't you? Yeah, I think we do. We challenge each other. We argue with each other and uh, uh, we're still friends at the end of it. So it's Mark? pretty remarkable. Yeah, so if you guys are, are into to math and science and, and you know, predictive analytics, how does that translate or, or does it translate into the culture that you're trying to create at Origin? So uh, the name Origin means capable of original thought. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that speaks uh, a lot toward the culture that we've built. Everything has been about trying to take very uh, uh, complex mathematical methods that are well vetted, but use them in, in uni- unique ways. And so uh, uh, part of the, the way that we do that is providing great transparency through the company so that everybody has great visibility into everything else that's going on. And that permeates all the way through even the business objectives and things like that. So um, I think that's that's been one of the big things. We've We've worked really hard to earn trust within the company John? and outside the company. So, you know, how, how do you go about establishing trust in a company where it's really all about data? So, uh, I, I think one of the big things is we're out trying to push the envelope on what's possible. And you have to be reasonable and realistic about what's not possible. And uh, so that's one of the areas where we've really worked hard to, to be you know, honest about what can be done and what cannot. 
Uh, and so when we work with, for example, pharmaceutical companies, our reputation's not for sale. We're out there to build trust within a larger community. Uh, and we uh, you know, we work very hard to uh, uh, to do what we can, but not more than what's Josh. possible. So, Dave, when you moved from Venezuela, did you speak English? And as well, how did that shape how you interact with the business today? Yeah, um, uh, I was born. Uh, my parents had moved to Venezuela after World War II. The, my dad had a job with GE, and so they sent him to Venezuela after the war. Uh, so we always spoke English in the house and Spanish outside of the house. So yeah, when we came back to the States, it was uh, pretty natural. What's kind of interesting uh, is when I'm in Southern Cal California and somebody asks me for directions in Spanish, I can answer them. Uh, and, and so um, uh, that kind of sort of translated to say, well, there's lots of different people and speaking. Uh, they have different languages and they have different needs. And it's kind of made me uh, able to uh, work with uh, all well, kinds of different people. How about when you people. moved from uh, Venezuela to uh, New Jersey and you saw here on one hand you're on a plantation. There, you know, you're looking at the Empire State Building. How did that, how's, what effect did that have on you and how's that affecting you nowadays? Well, well the thing that was kind of uh, cool is I, I sort of shared the same experience my dad had because he related the story of literally watching the Empire State Building go up. Uh, from, from, from the house. So there I say, oh wow, now I can see it. Uh, and so it's like sort of this real connection with my dad that that, 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 that uh, allowed to happen. Mm -hmm. So David, how'd you get interested in math and science? Um, so uh, when I was a freshman in high school, I, I broke my femur and I was laid up for, I don't know, 12, 16 weeks. Uh, and so the teachers came in and I just realized I had this natural affinity for, uh, for math. Uh, the math teacher was terrific. Uh, and uh, I just took it, took it from there. Mm. So, so how well, did uh, you told a story about uh, going to summer school? Uh, that's usually for people who kind of struggle with math, like me. How, why did you go to summer school? Yeah, so I wanted to get ahead in math, and so um, I, I started taking the the summer school math courses, which was yeah kind of weird. Uh, and I ended up being kind of the assistant teacher, uh, and so I learned how to share uh, again more sharing of uh, information and teaching. And how does that teaching ethos show up today at Origin? Yeah, so w we seek people with like a, a, a large uh, different skill sets. I, and what, what I do is teach what I know. And what I ask is uh, our employees to teach the rest of us what they know. So it's a real like teaching environment that, that, that we try to foster. That's interesting. So, on one, so your, your team is not just learning, but they're also teaching. Yes, that's correct. Yep. I guess that's one of the reasons that your team enjoys being your team and they're planning to stick around is because it's a give and take kind of environment, huh? And that's, yeah. that, that's where the transparency is absolutely yeah. essential. Yeah. So many problems that I try and solve in the business role, it turns out I don't actually have the best ideas. It comes from an engineer in my company who's actually just got a better perspective on something than I do, but it would never have known it if he didn't, couldn't see the problems that I was challenging. Well, you're all about, your middle name's communication, isn't it? But it's absolutely essential with any team, right? So the better, the more transparent that we can be, the easier and the more efficient our, our yeah. communications. Well, I, I don't know. That's why, I was, that's why I'm interested in interviewing you guys and getting a sense of why it works so well. Who's got the next question here? What, uh, for both of you, what, what particular book or movie growing up had a profound impact on your passions and your direction in life? Uh, later in life, it was the, the uh, you know, Atlas Shrugged, which I know sounds cliche, but it's true for true in my case. Earlier in my life, was uh, reading history books about uh, um, uh, scientists. Richard Feynman, in particular, was uh, an inspiration for me. Oh, yeah, that's pretty neat. Uh, Richard Feynman was uh, uh, an inspiration for me too, but I think probably the earliest one was uh, was the Double Helix mm -hmm. uh, by Jim Watson, and uh, uh, yeah, it's like. Everything is hidden in, in a DNA code, and that kind of spoke to math as well, and so it got me interested in biology. Well, why, why was Atlas Shrugged so interesting to you? Um, it was the first time I'd read a book going in thinking that I knew who the hero was and came out the other end realizing I'd been cheering for the wrong side. It was just transformational in some of the ways that it, uh, how I thought. What do you mean? Uh, well, I don't want to get into too much of on, on objectivism because I wouldn't say that I'm a, a pure objectivist or anything but of uh, you know, Ayn, Ayn Rand's thinking, mm -hmm. but uh, um, I guess at the time when I read it, it was mostly coming out of college, I'd have a very strong engineering background and was sort of transitioning to how are we going to use this in the real world and suddenly getting an appreciation for where resources and things need to be allocated. And uh, your partner, Dave, who's the scientist, was, was fascinated by DNA. So you guys really have complementary interests and strengths. It sounds naturally as well as in the business. Am I correct about that? 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's worked well. This has been mm-hmm. a, a great relationship for the last five years. What's the What's the website address of this organization called Origin? Origin.com. O-R-I-G-E-N-T.com. Let me have that one more time. O-R-I-G-E-N-T.com. We've been speaking with Mike Keemer and Dave Ennis, CEO and Chief Science Officer of Origin here on Executive Leaders Radio. And your name is? Tia Flick. And Tia, what, what organization are you with? Where Aware. And uh, what is Where Aware? What do you guys do? We're a digital agency. Mm-hmm. And what's your specialty in the agency? I focus on search and analytics. Search and analytics. What are you talking about? What do you mean? So that's uh, how you show up organically at Google. Uh-huh. Uh, it's pay-per-click. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then how to measure all of that. Now, there's only certain, certain kinds of businesses that should be worrying about that stuff, right? Nope. Everyone should be worrying about it. Tell us a little bit about what types of clients and what kinds of industries you've been able to help. We work across a broad range of industries. Um, So we work with everyone, local companies Mm -hmm. who might do air conditioning and HVAC Mm -hmm. to really large companies that you might have heard of like Pitney Bowes. Mm -hmm. And you're helping these folks, your specialty in the firm is helping them with a digital strategy? Yes. So I, I specifically focus on uh, all their search needs. Mm-hmm. What, 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 what do you like about that gig? Well, the, the industry is moving at a lightning fast speed, mm-hmm. and I love being able to help our clients guide through that chaos that's happening. So you come up with creative ideas and present these ideas to them regarding how to get them results from search and all that other kinds of stuff. That's correct. And you got to keep involved with them because there's so many things changing all the time, it sounds like. Yes, constantly. Hmm. Doesn't that frighten you, all that change? Oh, I think it's so exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I, I love mm-hmm. the constant pace of change. And What's the website address for the organization? It's whereaware.com. Let me have that again. Whereaware.com, W-H-E-R-E-O-W-A-R-E.com. We've been speaking with your name again is? Tia Flick. And this has been your business spotlight. I'm Tina Leone. I'm the CEO of the Boston Business Improvement District. And what is the Boston Business Improvement District? We work to attract, support, and connect the most compelling, creative, and ambitious minds in our region. Boston is known as an epicenter for research and discovery. Uh, Some of the greatest things that are invented, such as the MRI, the barcode, the internet, the first satellite, all were either conceived, funded, or developed by organizations here in Boston. How, how old is this organization? We're just just shy of six years old. How long have you been there? How long have you been uh, there? Almost six years as well. Did you found this organization? Yes, I, I am the founding CEO. Why did you do that? Well, they, the, the organization actually came about uh, by the commercial property owners in why, Boston. Why, why, why does it turn you on? Why does your gig turn you on? <laughs> people. I mean, we the, the, the ability to connect people, and then who knows the next great idea is going to result from that. We have incredible minds in the Washington, D.C. area, and Boston is, as I said, the epicenter for the smartest people in this area. So your job, you're like the master connector. I feel like the mayor of, of Boston, the mayor of innovation, because that's uh-huh. what's happening. So your idea, your, your thought is, in order to create more stuff, in order to launch more businesses, in order to cause more good, it's a matter of connecting exactly. the right people. Exactly. And you like being in the middle of all that I, stuff. Oh, we love it. We love it. And simple things, just connecting people through events through art uh, through a happy hour mm-hmm. you don't know what's going to come out of that mm-hmm. that's what's exciting so it's all about the people and you're the uh, you're the founder of this organization is this a nine to five kind of job oh, for you? hell no it's a lot longer uh-huh. than that baby so do you have to you have to work the weekends and stuff yeah, like that sure sure let me have the website address of this sure, organization bid.com and, and you can download boston connect mobile app let me have uh, let me have that website address one more bostonbid.com it's B-A, give me the spelling on that. B-A-L-L-S-T-O-N-B-I-D.com. Excellent. And your name again is? Tina Leone. And the name of the organization? Is the Boston Business Improvement District. And this has been your business spotlight back in a moment. One help building your business with help from the show's CEOs? Our CEOs can help you uncover more opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money. All the big issues because our CEOs have been there and done that. Succeeding in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars. And some are available to advise you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. The same CEOs you've heard on the show for 10 years may be willing to help you build your business, uncover new opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money, all the big issues, because our CEOs have been there and done that. Succeeding in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars. 
Some of the CEOs who have appeared on our shows over the last 10 years may be willing to help you grow, assuming you've ser you're serious about your success, serious about your own success, because it all starts with the leader. If you're serious about creating your own successful business, or truly committed to putting your nose to the grindstone and doing whatever it takes to make your business successful, we may be able to match you with successful CEOs who have created millions of jobs and earned millions of dollars to help you create your success. We've established unique relationships with a unique universe of over 7,000 CEOs who have created substantial wealth for their companies, their teams, and themselves. These women and men get the build in their blood and often continue to start and build businesses even after they've created substantial wealth for themselves because they love the challenge of building a business. Perhaps we can present you and your business to some of these CEOs to gain their interest in helping you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com to hopefully match you with some of the CEOs we've had on the show for the last 10 years. Mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. We're back. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. This is your host, Herb Cohen. We'd like to introduce Jim Morgan, Managing Director of an organization known as People Stretch Solutions. Jim, what is People Stretch Solutions? Uh, we're a management consulting firm focused on sales growth transformation and CEO advisory. Hmm. Where are you from originally? Uh, big town of Wapakoneta, Ohio. Uh-huh. And how many brothers and sisters? I have one older sister, about four years older. Uh -huh. What did mom and dad do for a living? Uh, my dad was a tool and die maker, and my mother wa uh, ran a cerebral palsy children's development center. Who are you more like, your mom or your dad? A little bit of a combination of, of both, but probably more like m uh, my mother. Why? Uh, I think she really instilled in me uh, the desire to give back uh, to work with those that might be less fortunate, uh, especially with her work with people with... Uh, mentally and physically challenged. I understand that um, there was a company that you and a couple of other guys purchased and took financial risk with that was doing $26 million and you guys took it to $50 million and 400 employees. Am I correct about that? Yes, yeah, so started with them uh, in sales, sales management operations, bought the company, and then we continued to uh, grow the company until we sold it a few years ago. So what's the connection between, you told me you're more like your mom who ran a clinic, what, what, what's the connection between running that clinic and building a $50 million business? Uh, well, I think there's a, a lot of it. Number one, just the, the dedication to people, the dedication to uh, helping develop those around you, surrounding yourself with strong uh, people that are probably smarter than you. So what's the connection between the clinic building a $50 million business and what you're doing now? Uh, well, now I'm doing it uh, for other people. I'm trying to help other organizations grow. So working with CEOs uh, that are trying to get to some level of growth and helping them uh, drive their businesses and grow. But it sounds like there's some deeper motivation here in helping. You know, it's not just a not just a money thing. What is that? Uh, yeah. So uh, so all the time I was in in sales and growth. I think coming from a small town and a, from a family that uh, did all right, but not have a lot of money. That. Uh, the importance of in small towns jobs are everything and so as i grew the business uh, really understanding that uh, every time we hit the next marker that was more families that we were able to support more jobs that were able to grow and so as i'm doing that for other ceos as well you know that's my motivation is how we can help support those families you, you told us earlier about your grandfather how does he fit in the picture uh, you know, my my grandfather died when I was relatively young, but he was an entrepreneur. He uh, he had a dairy, and um, and then once he sold that, you know, he actually still continued to have a milk route and run, go out and see clients on a regular basis. And so I had the chance to ride along with him a few times. And when you rode along with your grandfather, how old were you, and what impression did you have? You know, I was probably about six or seven years old, and it just really uh, stuck in my mind just how much time he spent with people to really understand at them and build those relationships and so that was probably my first introduction to sales but, but didn't that really stink the fact that you know it's probably early in the morning on a milk route or whatever and and, and you got to go ride with your grandfather uh i've always come from a family it's a very early morning uh family so I actually enjoyed being able to spend whatever time i could with him and you and that was a positive impression you picked up you what do you mean you saw him developing relationships what are you talking about uh, you know, sometimes people think that sales is all in, come in, get the order, and he really, you know, took the time to just get to know these entrepreneurs and, and get to know these uh, restaurant owners, uh, market owners, and uh, spend time with them. And so mm -hmm. there was clearly good connection mm -hmm. there. Josh? 
So with that, you're now translating that to business. And how have you been able to accelerate that connection that your grandfather taught you? That's a great question. So I think that uh, that really businesses are built on people and businesses are, uh, are uh, about relationships. And so certainly being able to work with people to uncover what people's needs are, their fundamental buying motive, you know, what's driving them. Uh, it's not just about selling the next thing. It's about really understanding that. Wait a minute. Wait, wait. Your fundamental buying motive. I thought sales was you sell them what you want to sell them. Uh, if you do that, that's pretty short-lived. And so, so certainly understanding how you can help other people succeed, how you can help solve their problems. How did you learn that lesson? How did you, you learn that that point? Uh, you know, I, th- I think that uh, over time, you know, certainly uh, being able to, uh, as you're building relationships as, as, as a youth, you know, understanding what motivates people, uh, that, you know, continue to carry that in through How did you school. learn about what motivates people? Uh, so uh, I was very involved in scouting as a kid. And so, uh, you know, you learn early on if you're going to be out in the woods with some people and you have to rely on them to clean up dishes, build or make breakfast. It's going to be a cold, pretty cold, uh, hungry weekend if you can't work with people and motivate them to do what they need to do. So you just can't tell people what to do? Uh, that doesn't work that well. Uh, as opposed to what? Uh, as opposed to really understanding kind of what what drives them, you know, what uh, how do they win? Uh, how can we help to uh, to to? Is that how you built a fifty million dollar firm? Oh, absolutely. I mean, understanding. Wait a minute. So you've been there and done that. So you've built a fifty million dollar firm, and that's what you're doing now for other businesses. Yes. So you really you've walked in you've walked in their shoes. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh. And at each stage of that, there's different challenges as businesses grow. And so understanding those challenges uh, is pretty important. So you know the different stages as well as what, what the solution to the next problem is. Sure. Mark? So you said scouting is important to you. You're now national chair of the Eagle Scout Association. <coughs> you know, how did you pick your friends? What characteristics of, of somebody would make them uh, a good candidate to be wait, a, wait, a wait, friend? Wait, what's he's a national what? He's the, the chair of the National Eagle Scout Association. I'm the recent chair. I was recent chair for five years, but uh, stepped down uh, a year or so ago. So, uh, but to answer your question, so clearly a lot of friends from scouting, a lot of click kids from the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And so uh, you gravitate to people that have like interest. And mm-hmm. so uh, I tended to put myself in organizations where I would surround myself with people of character. Uh, wait, 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 wait. What do you mean of character? What are you talking about here? You were a kid. Uh Sure, and that doesn't mean I didn't get into trouble because I've uh-huh. I managed to do plenty of that as well. But, uh, but uh, you know, when you are around, uh, one of the things that scouting does is it instills uh, mm-hmm. character and leadership skills. What's the website address of this organization known as People Stretch Solutions? Uh, it's peoplestretch.com. Let me have that one more time. Peoplestretch.com. <coughs> We've been speaking with Jim Morgan, Managing Director of People Stretch Solutions here on Executive Leaders Radio. John, can you give us a rundown on who else we've had the opportunity of hanging out with today? Our first guest today was Bill Buff, Managing Partner of Stratacom. Then we talked to Reed Jackson, President and CEO of CompuSearch. Our third guests were Mike Keemer and Dave Innist, respectively the CEO and Chief Science Officer of Origin. And our last guest was Jim Morgan, Managing Director of People Stretch Solutions. I would like to thank my co-hosts, Mark Haas, Association for Enterprise Growth, Josh Levy, Brunch Digital, John Schuhart, Graybeard Coaching, for giving me a hand structuring the questions and hopefully providing our listening audience an educational an entertaining show. Don't forget to visit our website. It's executiveleadersradio.com to learn more about our executive leaders. That's executiveleadersradio.com to learn more about our executive leaders. Thank you for joining us today and do have a nice day. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to Executive Leaders Radio, the region's premier radio show highlighting local executive leaders. We hope you've enjoyed the show here on 1500 AM. You can learn more about Executive Leaders Radio by visiting executiveleadersradio.com or tune in next time right here on 1500 AM. That's executiveleadersradio.com.